0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show We start out tonight by leaning on the laughs provided by the Jack Benny Show Now, can you imagine the fun it would have been to be included in that gaggle of gangsters? hmm? One of the main characters, of course, was Rochester, played by Eddie Anderson. He was the first black man to have a recurring role in a national radio show, which was significant because at that time it was not uncommon for black characters to be played by white actors in blackface. Although Eddie Anderson's Rochester may be considered a stereotype by some... His attitudes were unusually sardonic for such a role, and Benny treated him as an equal, not a servant. In many routines, Rochester gets the better of Benny, often pricking his boss's ego or simply outwitting him. The show's portrayal of black characters could be seen as advanced for its time. In a 1956 episode, African-American actor Roy Glenn plays a friend of Rochester's. And he's portrayed as a well-educated, articulate man, not the typical darky stereotype seen in many films of the time. Glenn's role was a recurring one in the series where he was often portrayed as having to support two people on one unemployment check, i.e. himself and Rochester. Black talent was also showcased with several guest appearances by the Ink Spots and others. So let's see what's up with Mr. Benny and the gang tonight. And... Here we go with the Jack Benny Show and the episode Buck Benny.
2: The Jello program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with All's Fair in Love and War from the Gold Diggers of 1937. can be divided into three courses. An appetizer to begin with, the main course to follow, and finally, the dessert. A perfect dinner is perfect all the way through. But there should always be an extra touch of perfection at the end. So never risk serving a dessert that has a chance to be disappointing. Serve Jell-O. Jell-O never fails to make friends with everybody at the table. It looks good, and it tastes even better with its wonderful true fruit flavor. Jell-O flavors, each and every one of them, come from fresh, ripe fruit. That's why Jell-O is so rich and delicious. But remember that Jell-O is the only gelatin dessert that brings you that grand, extra-rich fruit flavor. So when you want Jello, be sure you get the real thing. Look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. gentlemen, we present the man who every week spreads a little joy, a little cheer, a little sunshine, Jack Pollyanna Benny.
3: Hey, Jack, Jack,
2: Mary, Mary, where's Jack?
3: Uh, Has he shown up yet? No. He got more applause than if he were here. He ought to stay away every week.
2: I, I can't understand it. It isn't like him to be late for a broadcast.
3: Well, I'm not surprised. You know, Jack feels pretty bad about the way Phil Harris and the rest of us have been treating him. I'll bet he won't show up at all tonight.
2: But we were only kidding.
3: Well, you know how sensitive Jack is. See, all you have to do is slap him in the face and he gets all upset.
2: <laughs> well, I- I'm sorry about the whole thing. Uh, oh, Phil, uh, Jack's late tonight. Who cares? We can get along without him. Well, uh, I don't know. I think... Hello, we... fellas.
4: you, Mary. Hello.
3: Say, hey, Kenny, we're in a fine fix. Jack isn't here tonight. Jack who? <laughs> Uh, Jack Benny, remember him? Oh, you mean that cowboy? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm going to call up Jack's house and see if he's there. This foolishness has gone too far.
3: Number, please.
2: Uh, operator, uh, get me Granite 3414, please.
5: Oh, him. Just a moment, please. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hello? Want to miss a plenty of I'd uh, like to speak to Jack Benny please. On the Mr. Benny he no like a British Club. Well, I've got to talk to him. It's important. I
6: all right, I I talk to him. I talk to him all out. On Mr. Benny. Yes, honk. On 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 a callie. Callie, callie, callie calling thing. You can sing a pao. Koi yang hak vi toi la pao li. On 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 some one can sing a pao to li some mo li. Song mo la, voi ma song cui đâu.
2: Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Don. The program started. Aren't you
6: coming over? No, Don. I'm fed up with the whole thing. You don't need me. You fellas made that pretty clear last week. Oh, stop acting like a prima donna. Well, at least I'm acting. That's more than any of you fellas can say. <laughs> How was <is> that, Hong? <laughs> you said it. You said it. Now, listen, Don, you guys were so smart and thought you could get along without me. Let's see what you can do. Uh, but we need a master of ceremonies. Well, what's the matter with that Prince Charming that leads the orchestra? You know, that sun-kicked swing man? How <laughs> <laughs> that, hon? Whipping. What? Don, <laughs> uh, let me talk to Jack. All right. Uh, hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Miss Livingston so nice of you to call.
3: Yes, ain't it? (laughs) Well, what do you want? Stop acting like a fool and get over here. No,
6: you're all so good. What do you want with me?
3: Well, we need somebody to be the head of the program, and you're a swell head.
6: (laughs) Oh, I am, eh? See how comical you are? You don't need me there.
3: Oh, Mary, let me talk to him, will you? Why? I can handle him better than anybody. Go ahead. Hello?
6: Hello, Kenny. Who is this? <laughs> Who is this? It's Mussolini. Well, put Jack on. I want to talk to him. <laughs> Listen, Kenny, this is Jack. This is Jack Benny. Oh, let me talk to him, Kenny. Hey, Jack, you want to talk to Phil? No. You talk to him, hon Hello, Jack. Jack Jack here know to talk. Oh, yeah, put him on the phone. Oh, it. on you. Goodbye.
2: What are you laughing at?
5: Hong hung up.
2: (laughs) Well, it looks like there'll be no Jack Benny tonight. Uh, What are we going to do? Well, I can take charge. I've been a master of ceremonies before. You have? Uh, What do you think about it, Mary?
3: Well, you know the old saying, when the cat's away, the rat will take his place.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Say, that's good. Don, introduce my next number, and right after that, I'll go to town. All right. The next number will be played by Phil Harrison, his orchestra, and comes to you through the courtesy of Jell-O, the fastest-selling gelatin dessert in the world, with its extra-rich fresh fruit flavor. And furthermore, it's not, not a look for the big genuine without it. the moon. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring to you our new master of ceremonies, everybody's favorite, Phil Harris.
6: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is smiling Phil Harris talking, full of pep, happy as a lark, and raring to go. Yes, sir.
2: Well, Phil, you look pretty snappy today. Is that a new tie you're wearing? It sure is. Not yet, fellas.
3: Gee, what a versatile office. Do they laugh and
6: play? Quiet, Mary. You know where I got this tied on? No, where? Around my neck.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Nothing, but it was loud. Say, Phil. What? Why don't you pick on jokes your own age?
6: Well, you heard him scream, didn't you? At least I don't have to fight for my laughs like Jack does.
3: Mm, That joke's old enough to fight for itself.
6: Mary, please. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our feature attraction this evening, we're going to... Come in.
7: Why? Hello.
6: Oh, so... So you've decided to come back, right? No, I'm just looking for my hat. I left it here last Sunday.
3: Uh, What kind of a hat was it? It
6: was a gray fedora with a black band. You see it?
3: You got it on your head.
6: Oh. I knew it was here someplace. (laughs) Well... So long. So long. Hmm. Is there any mail for me, Mary? No. Well. Oh, I got my hat, didn't I? Yes. Hmm. Any mail come in since I asked for my hat?
5: No.
3: No, and no hat came in since you asked for your mail.
6: Well. Hmm. Goodbye. 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 Well, I'll say on one condition (laughs) And that is that you all behave yourself and realize that I'm the head of this program And you'll do as I say Now, is that agreeable? Yes Traitor Well, do you want me here or not? Sure, Jack, hang up your mail and stay a while (laughs) Don't be funny Well, I might as well get started Hello again. There's a smiling Jack Benny taking over the range. <laughs> With the following understanding. A, no tardiness. B, no cracks. C, no phone calls for anybody on this program. Including that certain party whose first initial of his last name is Phil Harris. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, our tenor, Kenny Baker, will inaugurate the new regime by singing Hmm, it's starting already. Answer that phone, Mary, and it better be business.
3: Hello? Yes? Oh, hello. It's Carol Lombard, Jack.
6: Hmm, well, tell her to call Phil at home, not here.
3: She wants to talk to you, Jack.
6: Oh. Well, she probably put the call in before I made the rule. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, Mary. Hello? Oh, hello, Miss Lombard. Yes. Yes, Carol. Oh, I'm feeling good, thanks. And you? That's fine. Uh, Mary, uh, Mary says you wanted to talk to me. No, I wasn't busy. I wasn't doing a thing, really. Uh, What is it you want, Carol? What? Can Phil get off early tonight? No, goodbye.
3: Gee, you must have hung up every phone in town. Well,
6: of all I mean, better sing now, Kitty. It's the last time I'll break my own rules. <laughs>
4: When the summer shower is through, for voice within me keeps repeating, you, you. near to me or far. It's no matter, darling, where you are. I think of you night and day. Day and night, why is it so that this longing for you follows wherever I go? In the roaring traffic room In the silence of my lonely room I think of you Night and day Night and day Under the hide of me There's an awful such a hungry yearning Burning inside of me Mormons won't be true till you let me spend my life.
6: bagger Baker singing night and day from the gay divorce, assisted by the orchestra. And a very good orchestra, too. In fact, they can play anything by request. Last week, they were requested to play hockey. What's the matter with my orchestra? Oh, nothing, Phil, nothing. I heard they're very conscientious. I understand they go to the pawn shop every day and practice for hours. <laughs> Is that so? What about that violin of yours? Well, my violin was never in pawn.
3: It was never in tune, either.
6: Now, listen, Mary, who are you with, Phil or me? Me. Well, I'm glad that's settled. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Baker will sing... To... I sang already. Oh, yeah, I'm all mixed up tonight. Well, then, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is our feature attraction. We will continue with our Western drama, Buck Benny Rides Again. Or is his saddle red? LAUGHTER I will again play the part of Sheriff Buck Benny As tough an hombre as ever talked back to an orchestra leader A Ritz Norton, Rorton, Cavorton, Charles Wharton, And Edward Everett Horton what? You ain't heard Norton yet <laughs>
5: This <laughs> This
6: will go on immediately after the next number, which will be played by a man who doesn't seem to worry much whether he's going to stay with this organization or not and his orchestra. D. Lovely from the Broadway production Red, Hot, and Blue. And now for the next installment of our serial, Buck Benny Rides Again. The opening scene is the office of the sheriff of Texas County, where we find the sheriff and his deputies waiting for news as to the whereabouts of Cactus Ace Elmer, the outlaw. Curtain. <laughs> <A person.
2: laughs> you. I'm an old cowhand. I'm Rio
6: old i But my late <laughs> date
2: Saint Sam. I'm a guy who never saw a cow we
7: never ought to see your cousin still sure
6: ain't fix yes, the target now oh on a second boys there's the phone hello yes this is the sheriff's office what's that madam you say there's a gang of rowdies disturbing the peace we'll be over and put a stop to that immediately where do you live Oh, right up there,
5: <laughs>
6: boys! We got to stop singing. Shuck. I feel like swearing myself. We never have any fun. Come in. Oh, sure. Hello, Dead Eye.
5: <laughs>
6: really, my secretary. <laughs> What's up? Somebody stole my Sunday pants. <laughs> well, you got another pair. What are you worrying about? My father was in 'em. <laughs> Doggone it! He got away before I could think of an answer. <laughs> Boy, there's been too much shooting and thieving going around these hell parts. Getting so those outlaws are taking everything that ain't nailed down. That's right, sheriff. Well, what are we going to do?
7: <laughs> Nail everything down. <laughs>
6: <laughs> you got something there, deputy. <laughs> It sure is a tough town Well, we ought to be getting some news about Cactus Face pretty soon I wonder what time it is Hmm, didn't know it was that late Someone at the door must be Daisy, my fiancé That's Western for sweetheart, folks Come in Hello, Daisy.
5: Hello, Horseface.
6: Well, gal, a feed bag hanging from your ears wouldn't look exactly out of place.
3: Shut your tracks, Doc. Every time you open it, you're winning.
6: Winnie Pearl, what you doing in town, gal? Christmas shopping?
3: Yeah, just brought a case of brandy and some peanuts. The brandy's for poppy.
6: What's the peanuts for?
3: To make them thirsty.
6: (laughs) Mm. He keeps it up and be able to rent his nose for a stoplight.
3: Say, hey, Buck, have you got any news about our stolen cows?
6: No, no clues. as a whereabouts. Tax-based Elmer. Got to speak to your pappy about that. Where is he now?
3: He's gone down Ike Muller's saloon for the weekend.
6: <laughs> well, it's nice there. <laughs> There's the phone It's either your Pappy or Carol Lombard
3: Well, why don't you answer it?
6: Don't have to We got a snicker on that
3: (laughs) Oh, well, here comes Pappy now
6: He sure walks heavy, don't
3: he? Uh, That's the fellow that's carrying him
6: (laughs) Oh Hello, Buck, hello, Buck Hmm, seeing double again, eh? (laughs) What are you so happy about, Frank? Well, Buck, I'm a celebrating cause you got my cows back. Hold everything. I didn't get your cows back yet. Too late now. The celebration's underway. <laughs> I don't even know where Cactus Face Elmer is. You don't? Well, Muller tells me that Cactus Face just walked into the Gem Theater to see a moving picture. He did? Yeah, and the sheriff of the next county's waiting outside the theater till you get there. The sheriff of the next county, eh? What's his name? Good and tame. Ask me again, and I'll tell you the same. <laughs> Mm, one more crack like that, and I'll play ring around your eyesy. <laughs> well, now that we got Cactus Face cornered, I better rush right over there. Can we go with you, Buck? Nope, it might be dangerous. I'm a going alone. Where's my horse?
3: You're sitting on him.
6: Oh. <laughs> well, I better get going. I'm going to get Cactus Face this time, dead or alive. Goodbye, folks, and Merry Christmas. Buck Benny rides again. <laughs> Open the door, Frank. <laughs>
2: Scene two. We now take you to the front of the gem theater where we find Buck Benny just arriving. Whoa!
6: <laughs> <laughs> and four wheel break, sure something. Hey, Buck. Hello, Ike. I hear the cactus face just walked into this theater. Yes, sir, not more than two minutes ago. Hey, Buck, I want you to meet the representative of the law for the next county. This is Sheriff Andy Devine. Andy Devine. <laughs> hmm. Main Street sure is crowded tonight. <laughs> Sheriff, I'm sure glad to know you. Uh, glad to know you, too, Buck. <laughs>
2: It was our night The Universal Studios to let you come over here and help me out on this case. Well, I can't stay with you long. I'm starting on a
6: new picture tomorrow. That so? What's the name of it? Well, it's called The Road Back. What you crying about? I ain't crying. That's the way I talk. Well, by the way, gravel throat. (laughs) Did you see see me in my latest picture, the big broadcast? Yep. How'd you like me in it? (laughs) <laughs> well, reckon we done enough advertising about our picture.
7: <laughs> Hold on, ain't nobody gonna say that Jello was the most tempting dessert in these here parts, and every day millions of cowboys keep eating it.
6: Fine, Andy. That was divine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now uh, listen, Sheriff. I heard the taxi face Elmer is inside the theater. Yeah, that's right, and I'm hot on his trail. What are you doing outside? Well, I saw the picture. Now, we got to get cactus-based dinner alive. What's playing here, anyway? Uh, will you miss, Clark? Oh, Bill Hart, eh? Well, come along. I'll buy the tickets. We'll kill two birds with one stone. Stoop down, Andy. I'll get you in for half-price. <laughs> All right, but I feel kind of silly. <laughs> two tickets, miss. One adult and one child.
3: Here you are, Sonny.
6: He's the child. <laughs>
3: Well, tell him to trade that pipe in for a lollipop.
6: Come on, Andy. Say, ain't she pretty? Come on, business before pretty. Tickets, please. Keep your stuff for bank night. Here you are. Mm. It's awfully dark in here. I wonder where the usher is. There he is up in front with a gun. That's William S. Hart. (laughs) Well, he can't find a seat either. (laughs) Hmm. Sure is dark. Oh, here's a couple of empty seats. Let's sit down. Sir? Oh, pardon me, lady. Move over one seat, Andy. Why, lady, are you hissing the picture?
3: No, I'm frying an egg. I've been in here for a month.
6: Mm. Watch for him. Hey, Andy. Andy, my seat's moving. Oh, that's
7: funny. Mine's moving, too.
6: It is. Mm-hmm. Oh, Garner, we're sitting on a couple of cows. Wait a minute. Are you Frank Carson's cows?
5: No.
6: That's a lie. Come on, Sheriff. Captain State must be right close by. Look, there he goes now.
7: Out the side door. I'll
5: get
7: him. Look out, back. He's a shooting back.
5: Oh.
7: oh. He got me. He did? Are you hurt, Bad?
6: Oh, Andy, reckon I'm done.
7: No, don't give up, Buck. You'll be all right. Oh, oh, oh come on, Buck. Oh. Buck, say something. Oh, come on, Buck, say something. Oh,
6: this will be continued next Sunday night. <laughs> Was I killed? Will we get Texas face? Will Buck Benny ride again? Tune in next Sunday and find out. Oh,
2: Playboy. Your grandmother made it, and today, everybody still makes chocolate pudding. But there's a new way nowadays, an easier way to get those same delicious results. Use Jell-O chocolate pudding. For Jell-O chocolate pudding is smoother, creamier, more chocolatey. And it brings you that fine, rich, homemade flavor that makes all the difference in a chocolate pudding. Here's how easily it's made. Simply mix the contents of one package of Jell-O chocolate pudding with some milk in the top of your double boiler. In just about ten minutes, the mixture will become thick and satin smooth. Take it off the fire then, and after it's cooled, serve in sherbet glasses. That's all you have to do to turn out a perfect chocolate pudding. The luscious, extra good kind that makes everybody hope it will be served again and again. One package of Jell O chocolate pudding makes enough for six grand servings, and it sells for the same low price as Jell O. Ask your grocer for Jell O chocolate pudding. This
7: is the last number of the 11th program in the new Jelly series. And on behalf of Jack Benny, who was shot, I want to thank me for being here tonight.
1: Stay tuned for Hop Along Cassidy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and his friend California Carlson played by Andy Clyde. They're here to solve another problem of the Old West.
8: With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. of the Silver Spurs, heralds the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early West. Hopalong Cassidy, the same Hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired, for this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and Andy Clyde as California. What's our story this time,
9: Hoppy? I call this one a shot in the dark. It was getting on towards supper time when California and I rode into the little town of Spurlock. We'd gone out of our way in order to stop by and say hello to the niece of Jim Reynolds, an old friend of mine in St. Louis. Hey, uh, Hoppy, that must be the place right there. Crawford General Store. Frank Crawford, Prop. Uh, Ain't that the name of the fellow Jim said it mattered, Grace? That's it, California. Looks like a nice store, too. Yeah, a heap better than the store across the street from the look of it. Seems funny a young couple with plenty of money would
2: come out and settle in a place like this, though.
9: Well, according to Jim's letter, Crawford's health isn't too good. He has to be someplace where it's hot and dry. Well,
2: he come to the right place, then.
9: (laughs) But it must be sort of tough and grace, though. This is a far cry from St. Louis. Ah, here's the store. Let's tie up and say hello, then we'll get down to the hotel. Search me, Hoppy, and, uh, I hope they get a couple of good beds. Eh? <laughs> I could use a nice thick steak, too. Yeah, yes,
2: muppet and onions. <laughs> My mouth's a-watering already. Uh,
9: place looks deserted. Oh, there's somebody at the back by the counter. Yeah,
10: yeah,
9: yeah. And it must be Grace, talking to the short feller. Looks like she's been crying.
10: Is there something I can do for you, gentlemen?
9: Uh, you're Grace Crawford, aren't you? Well, yes. <laughs> I'm Hopalong Cassidy, and this is California Carlson. Your uncle, Jim Reynolds, is an old friend.
10: Oh, of course. I've heard him speak of you so often. I'm very happy to meet you both.
9: It's a pleasure, ma'am, and you're as pretty as Jim's letter said you was.
10: Thank you. I'm afraid I don't feel very pretty right now.
9: <clears throat>
10: oh, I'm terribly sorry. Mr. Cassidy, Mr. Carlson, this is Judge Bryan, a friend of ours.
9: Welcome to Spurlock, gentlemen. Thanks. It isn't often we meet up with a judge in these parts. Yeah, we've been kind of lucky. Uh,
7: wait, <laughs> <laughs> what am I... Yeah, yes,
9: I think I understand. But I'm not really a judge anymore. I've gone into private practice again. If you need any legal advice, just call on me. Thanks, we'll do that. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll be getting back to my office. <laughs>
10: Judge, what about Frank?
9: Oh, if there was something I could do, Grace, but he won't listen to me when he's been drinking. Now, you know that.
10: I know, but I'm worried.
9: Excuse me, Grace. I don't want to butt in, but if there's anything we can do... I'm I... afraid
10: there's nothing anybody can do. Frank has changed so since we came here six months ago. Taken to drinking and gambling and spending all his time at the saloon down the street.
9: Well, the worst part of it is, is And he's made some enemies. A couple of them would as soon shoot him as look at him. Hmm. What have they got against him?
10: I'm afraid he started out on the wrong foot here, Mr. Cassidy. They resented being from the East and the fact that he's fairly wealthy. Frank's done nothing to make them like him. In fact,
9: Now, well, what she's trying to say, Cassidy, is that Frank has deliberately been hard to get along with. He's made it quite clear to everybody that he considers himself above them due to his wealth and family background.
10: Miss Grace! Yes, what is it, Jake? It's Mr. Frank.
9: I'm afraid there's going to be trouble. Well,
10: Jake, what's the matter?
9: Well, he's in the poker game with Crip Farrell and Big Tom Gorman, Miss Grace. And it looks like they're trying to two-time him.
10: Oh, Judge Bryan, what can we do? Yeah,
9: we've got to get him out of there, quick. Well, you better do something or he's going to get killed, sure. <laughs>
8: back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, A Shot in the Dark. Hoppy and California had stopped at the little town of Spurlock to look up Grace Crawford, the niece of an old friend. When they entered the Crawford general store, they found Grace talking with Judge Bryan and worrying about the actions of her husband. A short time later, a man came in to report that Frank Crawford was in the Silver Sage saloon, and
9: there was bound to be trouble. Yes, we'll have to go easy, man. Frank won't be easy to get out of that saloon. Men he's playing poker with are mean customers. Just who are they, Judge? Yeah, they'd as soon shoot Frank as look at him. Cripp Harrell's a shady character, owns the Silver Sage. And Big Tom Gorman owns the other general store. He's hated Frank ever since he opened his store here. This the place? Yeah, 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 this is it. Come on. Hmm, ain't very crowded. Yeah, that's them. Three men at the table over in the corner. Well, they don't look too friendly toward each other. They won't like our trying to break up their game, either. Yeah, if only Frank will listen to reason. Oh, uh, oh, Frank! Yeah? On your mind, Judge? Frank, it's a, it's Grace. She, well, she, she, she wants to see you. Your wife wants to see you, Frank. You better run along like a good little boy. Shut up, both of you. going to call it quits and come along, Frank.
8: Look, Judge, I pay you to look after my investments and business affairs, but your job stops there. You don't have to stick your nose
9: into my private life. I'm only trying to help you, Frank. You know that. You're getting on my nerves, Judge. Supposing you haul out of here and let us get on with the game? Yeah, beat Uh, it, Brian. How about it, Frank? You coming? No. Can't you see I'm busy? Sure deal, Tom. Uh, pardon me, gentlemen. Mind if I sit in? Cassidy, what not he? Uh, excuse me, Judge. Uh, we're playing a high-stake game, cowboy. Uh, that's fine. I think I got enough to go on for a spell. Yeah, no, but, but... Quiet, Judge. Hoppy knows what he's doing. Let's just look on. Deal, Gorman. You and Farrell are 7,000 into me, and I plan to get it back. <laughs> I'll see you 500 and raise you 1,000, Crawford. You're bluffing, Farrell. I can win this pot and be even. I'll call. I'm out. How about you, cowboy? I'm afraid that's a little rich for my blood. I'll fold. Well, just you and me, eh, Crawford? Cards? Uh, two. There you are, and the dealer takes one. Just a minute there, Farrell. Yeah? I saw that. What are you talking about? You slipped about? that card off the bottom of the deck. <laughs> hey, you better watch what you're saying, Crawford. Why, you chin horn. You're accusing me of cheating. That's exactly what I'm doing, Crip Farrell. No wonder I've been losing steadily. You're asking for it, Crawford, and now you're Keep going... your hands right where they are, gentlemen. You stay out of this, cowboy. Yeah, what are you horning in for? This is none of your affair. Maybe I'm making it my affair. I saw him slip that card off of the bottom. He's been cheating all along. That's right, he has. And if you're too stupid not to have noticed it before, you should be home playing tiddlywinks. Wait a minute there. You two had this plan, oh, didn't you? I never set eyes on this man until I walked in a few minutes ago. I just want to see that he gets out of here in one piece. Now, take your money and get out of here, Crawford. All right, come on, Frank. Get back to the store. I'm not taking orders from anybody. Least of all, oh. it's a cow hand. When I want somebody to protect me, I'll hire a bodyguard. California, get his money off the table and give it to him. All right, i see. You won't get away with this. That's my money. Cripp's right. He had the high hand. Here you are, Crawford. Now get out and don't come back, Crawford. All right, I'll
8: go. But those two haven't heard the last of this.
9: And neither have you, Crawford. You'd better get clear out of town while you've got a chance, Crawford.
8: You'll never scare me away, either of you.
9: Speaking of getting out of town, that wouldn't be bad advice for you to follow, Cowboy. We don't like strangers meddling in our affairs here. Thanks, I'll remember that. Pay no attention to them, Cassidy. You're welcome in Spurlock as long as you want to stay. Well, we just want to get a room at the hotel for the night, Judge. That is, uh, if these gentlemen don't object. Come along then. I'll show you where it is. And I'm sure they've got a room.
4: You know, Hoppy, that's
9: as fine a steak as I've had in quite a spell. (laughs) That sure was. Well, I trust you men are being well taken care of. Oh, did you get a room all right? Yeah, we got one. We're about to make use of it, too. A good night's sleep will do us both good. Yeah, I can well understand. I wonder if you'd do something for Frank Crawford first. That all depends, Judge. What do you mean? Well, I just came from his store, and we've had quite a talk. Frank realizes now that you did him a great favor at the saloon, and, well, he... He'd like to see and apologize. (laughs) He doesn't have to apologize for anything. I'd be glad to talk to him if he's simmered down. Fine, fine. Well, you'll find him in his office at the rear of his store. All right. Aren't you coming along, though? No, no, no. Frank wanted me to get some things in order for him. So I'll have to get back to my own office. Ed, I'll see you tomorrow before you leave, though. All right, Judge. (laughs) Must be awful being a lawyer and having to work nights that way. Ah, some people think it's the only life. Come on, let's stop by our room and then uh, go see the office. Just a second now, and here we are. I, uh. Uh, well, I'll be. I could have swore I locked that door when we went out to eat. Uh, <laughs> California, you're getting more absent minded every day. Well, nobody could steal much from us, anyhow. Ah, uh, we weren't gone long seems to be in order. Oh, don't let it bother you. What are uh, you going to do? Uh, take along your hardware? Sure. <laughs> I don't mind leaving my gun belt here while I eat. But from what I've seen of this town, you never know when a six-gun might come in handy. Better put yours on, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a bad
9: idea, then. Well, let's go. And this time, lock the door. Lock the door. Looks like everybody works for a night here. There's a light in Gorman's store across the street, too. Maybe he's trying to figure out a way to improve business. Excuse me, Mr. Grant. Why, sure, Grace. I, I don't mind waiting.
10: Oh, I'm glad you've come, Mr. Cassidy and Mr. Carson.
9: Glad to, Grace. Is your husband here?
10: Yes, he's back in his office. Go right on back, won't you?
9: All right.
10: I'm so grateful for what you did, Mr. Cassidy. Judge Bryan told me all about it. Frank realizes that... I'm glad he understands.
9: He didn't seem to appreciate it at the time. I'll go back and see him.
10: Fine. I'll finish waiting on Mister
9: Grantford. I'll wait out here with Grace, Hoppy. All right. I won't be long. Well, come in, Cassidy. I've been waiting for you. The judge gave me your message. I feel like a fool, Cassidy. I should have known you were trying to keep me from getting into a bad spot. But... Well, don't let it bother you. It looks like you're playing in rough company. That's your dog? Yes, that's Colonel. I have him tied on a rope out back. Sounds like quite a watchdog.
8: <laughs> oh, he's that all right. A one-man dog. Most of the time, he's just barking
9: at cats and other dogs. I'll close the window before he wants to... Crawford, look out!
8: <laughs>
7: Crawford,
9: would you see who it was? Yes, what? Uh. Hoppy, what happened? It's Crawford. He's been shot.
10: Frank. Frank, speak to me.
9: I, I'm afraid he can't race. Frank's.
4: Oh, no.
9: How did it happen, Hoppy? Somebody shot him through that open window. I couldn't see who it was. Just saw a gun. Frank. Oh, Frank. California, look after Grace. Sure, Hoppy. Just a minute, cowboy. Where are you going so fast? Out the back way. I might be able to run the killer down. Hold on a minute. How come your gun was drawn when we came in? Why, just... Let me see that gun. <laughs> look, mister. While we're standing around here, Crawford's murderer is making a getaway. Mr.
10: Grant, are you insinuating that Mr. Cassidy shot my husband?
9: I'm not insinuating anything. But look at this, Mrs. Crawford.
10: <gasps> One of the cartridges has been fired.
9: What? I think I'd better just hold you till the sheriff shows up, cowboy. On suspicion of murder.
8: While Hoppy was talking to Frank Crawford in his office at the rear of the general store, someone fired a shot from outside the open window, and Crawford fell dead with a bullet in the heart. Later, when the sheriff entered and discovered one of the shells in Hoppy's gun had been fired, he placed Hoppy under arrest
9: on suspicion of murder. Ah, uh, You're making a big mistake, Sheriff. Why are you wasting your time bringing me here? Crawford's murder has gotten away clean. Cassidy, what's this all about? I just saw Grace and your friend Carlson. Sheriff, you've got no reason to lock this man up. Now, shimmy down, Judge. You ought to know all about circumstantial evidence. Yeah, well, does this man look like a murderer? Of course not. Well, he'll sure get a chance to prove he ain't before a jury. I'm taking him to the county seat tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see about that. Leave us alone, Sheriff. I want to talk to Cassidy here. You figuring to act as his lawyer, Judge? If he likes, yes. Well, in that case, I reckon it's all right. But hurry it up. I want to get some sleep tonight. Uh, it's terrible, Cassidy. I'll try and get a writ from the county seat tomorrow. We'll get your release from here. You don't think I killed Crawford, then? Huh? I, of course not. Yeah, but what's this about a bullet from your gun having been fired? Yeah, one of them was fired, all right. Somebody must have planted an empty shell in my gun while California and I were eating over at the hotel. Ah, yeah, this is beginning to add up, Cassidy. What do you mean? Big Tom Gorman lives at the hotel. You think Gorman might have watched for a chance and then got into our room while we were out? Well, he could have easily enough. Of course, we can't jump to conclusions. Well, Cripp Farrell could have done it too, for that matter. Both had reasons for wanting to see Crawford dead. Well, whoever it was did a clever job making it look like I'm the guilty man. I know. I know, and it's going to be hard proving you didn't do it. Yeah, but don't worry. We'll get you out of this, all right. You just sit tight here, Cassidy. Ha <laughs> ha Doesn't look like there's much else I can do. But if you see California, tell him I want to see him right away, will you? <laughs> Huh? Uh, shh Hoppy. It's me, California. Come over to the window. Oh uh, California, what are you doing out there? The sheriff wouldn't let me come in to see you. Well, Hoppy, what are we gonna do? I don't know, but I sure don't like being cooped up in here. Have you found out anything? Oh, not much. I looked outside that window for footprints, but there wasn't anything I could see. What about the dog? Oh him, I found him all right just a couple of blocks from the store. He was half dead. Looked like he'd been hit over the head with a gun butt or something. Had he broken the rope that Crawford had him tied with? Yeah, yeah, he had. Broke it clean in two. Then he must have chased Crawford's murderer. Huh? Gosh, you're right, Hoppy. The murderer is the one that liked to kill him. Looked like there was quite a scuffle there. Well, yeah. You got any ideas, Hoppy? Uh, A couple. None can do any good as long as I'm cooped up in here. Judge Bryan said he might be able to get you released tomorrow. I know, but if he doesn't... Hoppy, uh... I don't like to worry you, but there's something you ought to know. What's that? There's quite a crowd over at the Silver State Saloon. Some of them's talking about a lynching. What? Yeah, some of them's saying there's enough evidence against you to hang you anyway. If they keep thinking that way, they they might try it. i got to get out of here. Yeah, but how? Go get our horses on a couple of strong ropes. This jail's not too solid. Maybe you can pull that window right out bars and all. That's a good idea, Hoppy. Hurry, California, and don't let anybody see you. Bobby. Yeah? Got the ropes. I got them. But we better hurry. That mob over to the saloon's getting bigger and crazier every minute. Here, tie this to one of them bars. All right. The sheriff's still out in front. Was when I went by on the way to get the horses. All right. Tight, so's mine. I'll give the horses a run at it. Listen, what's that? Sounds like that mob from this room. They're out front. Get going, California. I never did like the idea of wearing a hemp necktie. Right, Hoppy. Here goes. Hey, get up there.
8: Good work, California. Hurry, Hoppy. Hurry. I'm coming. Come on, Copper.
4: Hey, so right,
9: California, this way. Yeah. Ah, oh, that was close, Hoppy. Yeah, they couldn't follow us in the dark, though. What do we do now? Well, if you were in that mob, what would you expect an escaped prisoner to do? Why, uh, keep r- right on a run and reckon. Put as much distance between him and the mob as he could, before they send a batch of posses out after him. Ah, that's just what I figure they'll think. So we're going back into town pronto. Where, where, what? Well, have you gone local? <laughs> I hope not, California. It's the only thing we can do. We can't keep running That's sure. But what are we going to do once we get back to Spurlock? I don't know exactly. While they're organizing a posse, it'll give us a chance to check up on a couple of ideas of mine. Are you with me? What are we waiting for? Come on. I think this key is going to work, Hoppy. shut the door. I just hope he don't walk in us here. Oh, we got to hurry. Look through that bureau and any place else they might have been hidden. I'll look through the closet. Right, Hoppy? you got plenty of matches? Ah, I see. Yeah. Oh, nothing here but clean shirts and stuff. I'll keep looking. <clears throat> no sign of them, Hoppy. Well, maybe I was wrong. Wait a second. Look here. Well, Well, I'll be stuck back in the corner there. Yeah, that's just what we're looking for, too. Come on, we got to get over to Grace Crawford's house.
10: Mr. Cassidy, you shouldn't come here. Jake just came by and said the whole town's down at the saloon. They're organizing posses to search for you.
9: Ah, that's fine. I'll save them the trouble in a minute.
10: You mean you're going to give yourself up?
9: Not exactly, but I'm going to try to show your husband's murderer up
10: you know who it was?
9: I think I do, but proving it may not be so simple.
10: Is there anything I can do to help?
9: Yes, I'd like to see the dog if you'll show me where he is.
10: Why, of course, he's on the back porch.
9: How's he making out by now?
10: Well, he's better, but... Well, come with me and you can see for yourself.
9: I'll bring the lamp. Your husband told me he was sort of a one-man dog.
10: That's right. He wouldn't have anything to do with anybody else.
9: Well, hello, old-timer
10: poor thing. He doesn't seem to know what's happened.
9: Tell me, uh, was he mean or vicious with other people?
10: No, not mean or vicious. But of course he didn't have much chance to be. Frank kept him tied out back of the store and nobody would go near him anyway.
9: You think he'd come with me for a little while without your being alone?
10: I don't know. I think so. Why?
9: I think Colonel here might help us prove something. It's worth a try anyway. He acts like he wants to be friendly anyhow. Hi there, fella. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good old boy.
10: I never saw him do that before—licking your hand.
9: Can you get up, all right, boy? Come on, up, boy.
10: He acts as if he wants to go with you, Mister Cassidy. Uh, here,
9: Hoppy, uh, want to use this leather strap for leash? Yeah, thanks. Ah, there we are, old timer. How's that? Mm-hmm. Guess that means it's all right, Hoppy. All right, let's get going. <laughs>
4: see in the window,
9: Hoppy. Yeah, must be 30 or 40 men inside. The sheriff's talking to them. Well, let's get over closer to them batwing doors. Maybe we can hear what they're saying.
8: Hang well, on about the police, California. I got it. Listen here. Good boy, Junction. Okay, Sheriff. We're ready. Loyman, you and Farrell can take some men down towards the Patrick
9: Creek. They might have headed that way director. If they did, we'll get them. Ah, uh, we can save you the trouble, Sheriff. That's it? Get him. Watch it, Norman. They've got guns. Stay hey. where you are, I love you, and keep your hands in sight. You better give yourself up, Cassidy. You can't get away this time. I'm not figuring to get away, Sheriff. Frank Crawford's is in this mob, and I'm going to prove it. What are you driving at? Whoever shot Crawford almost killed his dog, too, after the dog broke loose and chased him. Unless I miss my guess, the dog can show us who that man is. That's ridiculous, Sheriff. Come on, let's get That's him. It's just a stall. That's all it is. Just a minute. Cassidy may have an idea here. You can't prove anything with that dog. I'm afraid you're going about things in the wrong way, Cassidy. It's worth a try, Judge. You still think it was either Gorman or Farrell that killed Crawford? Why, well, well, yes, but... uh, Why, you, out? All right, Gorman. Suppose you come up here and pet the dog. Come on, get a move on. Well, all right, but... Hmm. Nice dog. Good dog. There. All right, you're next, Farrell. And I don't like dogs. Why should I... Get moving. That's a good fellow. Good boy. Mm. You don't seem to be proving much, Cassidy. Maybe I'd better consult my lawyer, Sheriff. Come here a minute, Judge. Well, what do you want, Cassidy? I ceased being your lawyer when you broke out of jail. I said come here. Now.
8: <laughs>
9: well, i uh... <laughs> Oh, don't let go of that piece. Well, he doesn't seem to take to you, does he, Judge? I don't
8: know whether he can hold him or not. Holy, holy, holy! Oh, oh, the judge
9: is going for his gun. Judge. Well, the judge is locked up safe, Cassidy, and you were right. One of his legs was tore up where that dog had bit him. That varmint had a right clever scheme worked out to get rid of Crawford and put the blame everywhere but on his shelf. Yeah, and he had more motive than either Gorman or Farrell for killing Crawford. I declare I never would have thought the judge was an ambassador. But I suppose handling all of Crawford's investments was just too much temptation. How'd you get wise to that, Bill Cassidy? (laughs) I didn't think of that until I was practically sure he'd shot Crawford. I first suspected them the night after the shooting when he came to the jail to visit me. You see, Sheriff, he told Hoppy and me he was going to his office to do some work that night just before the shooting. Yeah, but what's that got to do with it? Well, I knew Crawford's dog had broken loose and chased somebody. And when the judge came to see me, I noticed he'd changed his pants. I got to thinking it was sort of strange for a man to get into a new pair of pants just to work in at night. <laughs> and when we looked through the judge's house, sure enough, there was the old pair, the dog a-torn, in his clutch. Well, I declare. Well, I'm glad the whole thing's settled. And, oh, I'm sorry about all the trouble you got into. <laughs> I'm afraid I owe you both an apology. <laughs> I'm willing to call it a even if you are, Sheriff. Call it even? Yeah. You owe us an apology, and we owe you a jail window. Oh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
8: Well, the judge was really up against it when he tangled with both Hoppy and a loyal one man dog in his scheme to solve his money troubles with A Shot in the Dark. Hoppy and California reluctantly part company with $10,000 in gold when they walk into a bank run by bandits and gunfighters in a town turned inside out for a Gunhawk convention. Don't miss this next thrilling adventure. Oh. Hop Along, Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White, Jr. A Shot in the Dark was written by R.T. Smith, with original music under the personal direction of Albert Glasser. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Mulford. This is a Commodore production.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's a new show entitled Crime Classics, followed by Challenge of the Yukon. Thanks to Joel Schoendwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Bind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air.